We're in business now. We're in business now. We're in business now. I'm saying this song. We're recording now. We're recording right now. Yep. Hey, yeah. everybody. Welcome to Adventures of Time and Space. I'm one of your hosts, Renee Castro. Yes, I'm Logan Wilkinson. And, you know, she should be excited as episode, whatever, one of Adventures of Time and Space. Uh, please be excited. Very excited for this debut episode of the we, show. Uh, talk about E3. And, E3. Uh, what happened? Yeah, well, that's what we're going to talk about. Favorite games, uh, things that happened. Keanu Reeves, maybe. Talk a little bit about him. Possibly. Uh, he's immortal. Yes. Uh, and then we also talk about Animal the Crossing. games that we beat as children. Yeah, it was a really cool conversation, actually. That was cool. I liked it a lot. And um, then we also talk um, a little bit about uh, where the gaming industry is heading as far as yeah. publishers, deadlines. That yeah, kind of crunch, thing. that kind of culture. And then we kind of wrap it up with some thoughts on good video games, bad video games. And, uh, you know... Is there such a thing as a good, bad video game? Is there such a thing? Yeah, it's a good, bad video game. The room of video games. <laughs> the room. Can we find it for you? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and talk about being little kids playing video games. Beat them for the first time. Awesome. So, uh, won't you join us? Do-do-do-do-do. Yes. We can, we can always, like, edit stuff out, too, if we don't want to. I mean, that's true. It's just nonsense. Okay, it's just nonsense. But that's the whole point. Let's say that again. How was your week, Renee? My week was good. My yeah. week was good. Um, work was really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just trying to keep up with E3 yeah. while working at yeah. the same time because so much of E3 is, um, you know, the videos and the tree, like for Nintendo, like the tree yeah. houses and Microsoft, the big presentations. Yeah. So it was, and, and the nature of my work being in sales is auditory. Mm-hmm. So like having to be on the phone. So it was like a lot of like between calls trying yeah. to catch up on stuff or just reading tweets. Um, so yeah, my, my week was just filled up with that and then kind of going through the nostalgia trip of Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Um, cause that whole announcement, people lost their minds. Did yeah. You watch I, that? I did. Are you a big Banjo guy? Uh, I am. Okay. I am. I and the, the, the reason I, I hesitate is because I was a big, I loved Banjo-Kazooie mm-hmm. and Banjo-Tooie when it was on the N64. Like yeah. those games were everything. Um, I uh, I never actually beat either of them. That checks out. As a kid, right? There were yeah. certain parts that like I just couldn't. I feel like that's so many of those kind of games you're a kid. Like you played right. a lot of them, like never actually got to the end of them, right? Like mm-hmm. you were a kid, you were dumb, you didn't know. Right, yeah, and exactly. and like I was just playing um, the beginning of Banjo Tooie, um, and there's a part where I, I was I was actually in a party with somebody uh, in Xbox while I was playing it, and I was like, oh, I totally remember this. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played that game, but. It's where he Banjo holds Kazooie as a, he learns how to hold him like a gun. Yeah. And you can shoot eggs. But my like kid brain just yeah. really didn't like first person shooters. Uh, I thought they were difficult. Yeah. And it like was intimidating to me, yeah. so I just skipped that part. Yeah. And you could progress without playing that part, but of course you can't get the, the jigsaw piece that you get from it. Yeah. So yeah, I I just kinda was like playing it and I was like, but like like of course it's like easy to me now. Yeah. Right, because it's a platformer game and only gets yeah. difficult later. But I was just like, little kid Renee hated this? It's a thing, right, where it's like, and I feel like, I always feel like I was different in this regard. So I'm glad to hear that you had the same thought process and kind of, um, like, internal kind of life as a gamer kid. Where it's like, me and my, my best friends growing up, like, all played so many video games. We would go to the movies for all the time and play a lot of video games. But yeah, like, you know, the amount we actually beat was, like, minuscule, it felt like, right? Because, yeah. like, A, because... 
you only had like three, five, or seven days to rent the games at the movie store, kind of thing, like some small amount of time. So you had right. like a time crunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's something that people aren't gonna have now is yeah, renting right? games. Yeah, no, you just either own the game or you don't own the game, right? Right. Like Redbox maybe, but like that's usually just kind of like, all right, cool. Now I want to own the game, kind of like a tease almost. And so it's like, but your save data stays with you. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. Stay on the you disc. Can keep doing it, right? Yeah. When Blockbuster was a thing with N sixty four, it would yeah. it would it was almost like a voyeurish thing to like, yeah. oh, let me look at this guy's save. How far did he get before? You know. And then you delete it, and then, yeah, yeah. and then it's it, so that's kind of the thing. And so like I like, cause like I remember beating Super Mario sixty four, which is the first video game I ever beat. Um, but even that, like I like I was never a kid who was like four, five, or six beating video games. Like I well maybe six when I beat Mario 64, maybe six or seven when I beat Mario sixty four. But like I just played a lot of games. I didn't beat a lot of them. Right. So like Banjo is a great example where it's like the Crash games, whether or not I played them, mm-hmm. um, as I've talked about before. Yeah. Or like the like even like. Jack and Dexter, right, and like Ratchet and Clank, and like there's like early PS2 games, like late N64 games. Like I played a lot. I played so many PS2 games. We all did, right? Like they were right. just everywhere. Um, but like, God, the amount of beat, like, it's nothing, right? Like, the, like a big one for me is like Area 51. Oh, what's that? Was that on PC? It was. It was probably on PC too. I'm sure it was on like everything. PS, PC. I played on PS2. Oh, okay. Uh, with one of my like very very best friends growing up, and like it was at the time it was the single scariest game we ever played. Yeah. Like, it was terrifying. Oh like, yeah. It was super. And like cause we were probably like j- maybe junior high kids, mm-hmm. um, and just like p- turning the lights off in the house. <laughs> um, his like where we played it was like two floors below the parents' room, so we'd like you could just get a little <sighs> bit louder and crazier, and yeah, and just like total darkness, and like it's like eleven o'clock at night midnight right playing area 51 and it's spooky to begin with and it's like terrifying and like binge playing these games over a weekend which is what you did as a kid because that's all you really had was a weekend to play and with your like friend over like a sleepover kind of thing and then just like never getting past right and like renting it like two like one or two more times like over the next few years um and then just never get in there again right and then like renting it one last time like a few years later is like a nostalgia trip and then getting to like past that point but still not beating the game. It's a, it's a 20, 30-hour game where we have a weekend. And it's like, man, like, we stayed up until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. We're playing a little bit more the next day, but, like, we just haven't beaten this game, right? And, like, that, to me, is, like, more descriptive of my, like, childhood playing games than... Yeah. Yeah, right? So, so like, the sleepovers. Yeah, right? Like, so to hear you never beat Banjo, it's like, yeah, dude, like, I have... That's a million games i played, too, right? But, like... What was the first game you ever beat on your own? It is definitely Super Mario 64. Okay. So like, I... Like, that that for me is, like, I've wrote about this, too. Check it out at But it's, like, <laughs> it is that thing of... That's the one where it's, like, seared into my brain because my two younger cousins were there with me. And they, like, super looked up to me growing up and still do, I guess, to a degree. But, like... Um, so like they were each there and like the, the youngest one for sure I like ha- can no way remember this memory because he was so young he was like three or four even like the older the two of them was probably only like five or six Ma- even that's probably pushing it so maybe like they were like two and three and four and five kind of thing oh, man. Um, but like yeah so, like so they would watch you play they would watch you play yeah because they were so young and like also because like they would just let me do whatever I want so like yeah. I would just like they would watch me play Mario 64 and get into that Bowser fight again and like where I'd been to the end of that game so many times but like failed to beat him and then had right. like, like kind of gone away and restarted the game again and again and again did you make sure to ask them to like and subscribe your videos while they would watch your at the place? time yeah at the time in like okay. 2000 2001 like it was money. yeah like 99 where it was like i was definitely telling them that yeah and so like i i was yeah so like it was there and like spinning around and finally and like getting that moment where it actually happened like is like a freeze moment of like me jumping in the air then like them tackling on top of me just like in like a giant <laughs> dog pound it's like an awesome moment of like all this like Together, like the act, like the ecstasy of the moment, like the celebration of the moment, like everything, like 
because that, really that fight's cool hard. Triumph, right? And it, that fight is hard. Because he's Mario like, 64 isn't fire. short, too, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a long game. That fight is hard, and being like the first time, right? Like it being the first victory moment you've had, and like it would be such an exhilarating moment, right? And like that, and then Medal of Honor front line beating that um, f- for the first time, because that game is like nuts at the end. Um, are like two of like the very 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 earliest members have beaten games, um, and Medal of Honor would have been like nine when that came out probably. Um, that game's hard, and that's like a first person shooter game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that. Yeah, I uh, I watched my uncle play. It was it's funny. It's like the same thing that yep. you just said, but I watched him play and beat uh, Super Mario sixty four. Yeah. And that final fight. It's hard. Like, yeah, he keeps like making the arena smaller. Yep, that's the thing. And then he's his fire splits off into different areas. Yep. Like. And and Bowser in that fight looks he's like kind of purple. Mm-hmm. He's got that weird hue. Yeah. It makes everything really ominous. Yeah. And I think the sky above you is purple too, it, right? Yeah. It's like um, it is just everything's ominous too, right? And like the thing for me, right, is that like the like arena gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but mm-hmm. it doesn't get smaller in like circles. Like it's like they're jagged mm-hmm. edges, so you like you kind of it lose track of where they are, right? And like it yeah. becomes harder to kind of keep track of it all. Right? It's, yeah. yeah. The first game I beat like on my own. Yeah, I'm ready for this. Was Metroid Prime. Oh, yeah. I've never played Metroid Prime. Dude, I dude. Yeah. Metroid Prime became something so special yeah. to me. For a lot um, of people, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I wrote about this on, 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 a, on a Medium article. Yeah, there you go, there you go, plug <laughs> it. But, uh, but um, Samus Aran, like, was a hero to me. Yeah. And, like, I remember... Someone someone else in a YouTube video... Oh, I, I cannot remember who the youtube channel was i'll try to research it and, and plug it later um on uh, another episode but because because they do a really good job they they mentioned something that i thought but never put into words mm-hmm. with the newer metroid games um and they were because like there's been this whole thing where people are saying like they're not doing samus Aran justice yeah. with the new metroid i'm sure you've heard about yeah. this especially other m is sort of the instigating like yeah. game for that and he mentioned you know what I miss? I miss Sarah, Samus Aran walking. I miss her walking into a room. Because there were these mm. really short clips when you go yeah. into a boss battle, and she was just, like, strutting her like yeah. in a really badass way. She didn't. She wasn't scared at all. Yeah. And so there would be these really epic cinematic cuts of her walking in, and then, like, the boss, like, assembling itself yeah. in, like, weird disjointed ways. But she just keeps charging into that room at a steady pace. And then she brings up her gun, and then you go into her visor. Yeah. And that game, yeah, it, it, it yeah, she became a, a weird like role model yeah, for me, absolutely. Way, like Superman is for like yeah. little kids, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I remember I beat the game. I was like so kind of proud of myself mm-hmm. um, because it's a two stage boss battle the way that okay. those kind of games are, and. The first time, you know, you do it, you're like, oh man, that was so hard. I think I might have might have died. Um, the first time I tried, I forget how many attempts it took me if it took me too many, but then it became, I, I, since I learned the moves and mm-hmm. I learned like what the boss would do for a summer, I would like, Oh God, it was amazing. I would like wake up, of course, whenever I wanted. Yeah. Um, it must, I must've been like early high school, wake up whenever I wanted and then beat the boss. It was my routine. It was like yeah. before I brushed my teeth, beat me at Red Prime, yep. brush my teeth yep. like for like weeks. Oh yeah. Loved it. That's Maybe the middle school. That's the thing, right? Where it's like they're, I love this topic. They're they're like thing, they're games like that, right? And like they happen when you're younger, right? Like we're yeah. like or even like they happen. I guess now, like you're an adult, but like they're few and far between. But like 
this those games that like you know inside and out right like you just mm-hmm. play again and again and again and again right and it, they're always like interesting games like what clicks with you right and like they're not even necessarily your favorite games but like just games that you like basically deconstruct and then like just know everything about it right and so right. for me it's like medal of honor rising sun is one of the biggest ones um and like nightfall the james bond game where it's like as a kid growing up and just like I've played and beaten Medal of Honor Rising Sun legitimately probably 10 times at least, maybe 11 times. Oh, um, and then, like, I've spent 50, 60, 70 hours just doing, like, the multiplayer mode of that. Like, again, me and one of my best friends, and because he could, like, add bots and just play. And, like, we, and we would do it because we were maniacs. <laughs> um, we would set it for hour-long matches. Oh, my God. And so we would be hit, me, him, and, like, I think it's you can do three or four other bots and just, like, go against who can get the most kills. Um, just do hour-long matches of that, just throughout the night, just again and again and again. And we'd have, <laughs> we were psychopaths. We had like sheets of paper, like the like total sk- like kill charts and like stats, like the night and like the like weekend oh, kind of you'd thing. Keep track. So we'd keep track, <laughs> of, like what, and like we'd keep track of like the bots. We'd have the bots in there again for the whole thing. And, like <laughs> over time, we like learn like who the great bots are and who the shitty bots were because they they were consistent actually, like because they had different like skill sets and stuff like that. And so right. it's like we'd keep track of that and like do like tournament things and like. We'd get really into that game you and had like data. You made data. We made data for that game before like data was made, right? Yeah. And then uh, Nightfire is one where it's like I've talked about my like love of James Bond so much, right? It's like right. I love James Bond. Um, and then Nightfire is like a great James Bond video game, um, or at least like a really good one, mm-hmm. which is rare. And yeah, just like again doing the same thing, just like playing that multiplayer over and over and over and over again with like Brandon and like just adding bots to that one too because you could add any game that you could add bots to as like a PS2 kid was like lit because like you only need like one other person and you guys just had to have like a full party match basically right it, it was like matchmaking yeah exactly yeah exactly it was almost like the PS2 and so like <laughs> we'd just play so many hours doing that and like doing like team like matchups like me and him against like four bots and do like a two, four, two versus four matchup kind of thing and like doing that and then like playing that game um, so many times like that story so many times but like that is one where like it kind of connects back to that first point where like Nightfire gets really fucking hard like that game ran, like it's difficulty spike happens in like the last act of that game and it gets nasty where, which game? Nightfire oh, Nightfire right and so like I've probably only beaten Nightfire two or three times maybe right Like, and, but I've played like the first act of that game 25 times <laughs> like legit because like, like those missions are so easy and you can like plow through them and like they're really fun like that game is like weirdly paced where like i think personally and like i'm incredibly biased but like yeah. i think personally like a lot of those early missions are like some of the best ones or like the ones where like you feel the most like a spy and like it feels really cool because you're doing like a lot of like stealthy stuff and so uh like just playing those missions again and again and again and like learning like where they all were and like learn where all like the enemies were and like the locations and like going to like the snow capped mountains again. And like one of the coolest things I always thought as a kid growing up about Nightfire is that like you revisit at least like a few of the locations again, but like things have changed. Um, and I think that adds like really cool layers to that and like kind of complexities. And like as a kid, I was like, I'm back here again. And like that was like the extent of it. Like, I didn't really think about it in those terms, but like it added something to it, I think. And like playing through it again and again and again, like I did because I was a little maniac kid, um, just made it like such a fun game, right? And like there just there was games that like you just know, right? Where it's like right. for me to like, and maybe for you, I don't know if you actually ever played this series, but like Grand Theft Auto, right? Like, oh, yeah. Right, and, like, in particular for me, like, my favorite Grand Theft Auto game and, like, one of my, like, seven favorite games of all time without thinking about it is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And I know Vice City 
like the back of my hand. Like Vice City was for PS. PS Two. Yeah, it was the one set in the eighties, and like yeah, like Knock Off Miami, and like I know that game and know that city. Like even now, like I can like close my eyes and like visualize like the city, like streets and roads and everything like later that because like I played like. That is in the running for being the video game I've played the most in my entire life. Um, wow. Because, like... And, there was so much to do. Yeah, exactly, right? And, like, as a kid, too, right? Like, I've I've talked and written and, like, podcasted about before about, like, Grand Theft Auto 3 and, like, the impact that game had on me, right? Where, like, watching my brother play it, who was older than me by, like, five years, and just being, like, dumbfounded, right? Just sitting there, like, gobsmacked, being, like, you can do anything. Like, you don't even have to listen to the instructions. You can just, like, walk out of the car quit a mission and just like kill somebody or like rob a car or like just like drive around and listen to the radio for hours just drive around not do any crimes just listen to the radio and like listen to talk radio and like listen to all the like awesome music it's like a life simulator yeah right and then like vice city is that but better because it's in the 80s right and like the music is better and like the world is better and the city is better and the characters are better right and like the main character tommy Versetti is like the best character in any gta game and i won't withstand it. like there's no argument to that for me like he's just so great because like <laughs> He's the only one who's, like, unabashed just, like, I want to be the best gangster, right? Like, I don't want to have a redemption arc. I don't want to, like, there's good in me, but, like, I want to be the best gangster. And I've been screwed over, and now I'm going to make... And, like, it's basically Scarface, but, like, done with a way more personable, charming lead. Um, and, like, that world is so cool. And, like, Lance Vance dance and, like, all these characters, right? And, like, going through that world again and again and again, playing through the story, which I've beaten probably, like, two or three, four times, um, but it's long. Those GTA games are long. Like, all, right. Rockstar games in general are long. Um, yeah. And right. as years went by, they became maybe way too long. Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but I, Yeah, I haven't even scratched the surface no, of that game. It's way too long. Um, but GTA Vice City was, like, the perfect length. And then also the thing of, like, again, like, grabbing, like, a bunch of guys together and just, like, downloading and like printing off like actual sheets of paper all of the cheat codes and just typing in the cheats for the game right and like we have like actual printed sheets to get the like, jet to get the yeah, car to get, to get the car to fly to get the giant yeah. tank to get like like I'm automatic six star like wanted level kind of thing and right. just go and like what we would do is get like cheats or not cheats and just do who can survive the longest right like just like get like as nice. many stars as possible just so you can survive the longest like can you go like 5 10 15 20 minutes like what can you like how long can you go and spend like entire nights doing that over and over and over again and like that help you learn the world, but also, like, it help you just, like, sink into Vice City and, like, just sink hours into that game, right? So, like... Those are the games that do the best. Like, yeah, those right? sandbox games, like Grand Theft Auto, of course, Red Dead. Because you can make them your own in a Red lot of ways. Red Dead of the Wild, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can make your own stories. We talked yeah. about that last time. But, yeah, making yeah. your own stories is, is definitely the way to, like, win a gamer's heart because then it's, yeah. it's less about... You, you're not inserting yourself as a designer or a pro... I mean, you are, of course, it's your world, but you're kind of... T- you're removing yourself and letting the gamer have... Like their own like experience. Yeah. Um, if we're gonna talk about E three, I feel Let's like we it. have to talk about Dexit. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what I'm talking about, yeah. It's a it's a Pokemon thing. Okay. It's by far in my opinion, it's by far the number one oh. story out of E three. <sighs> Tell me what you know. I want to hear what you know. I want to. Hear I, know, I know, know very little about Pokemon. Again, I, okay. I usually just like blank off whenever I hear the word Pokemon. I just kind of like my eyes like glaze over. But like, I know I know people that are buzzing about it, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'd say that it's the number one biggest story. I will have a different one that I'll talk about in a minute here. That I okay. think that's the biggest story. But that's like, fine. yeah, give me give me the Pokemon details. Well, okay. So of course, um, I mean you you obviously know the premise of Pokemon. Yes. Got to catch them all. Pokemon. Gotta catch them. Yeah. And then Squirtle's there. <laughs> yeah, Squirtle's usually there. Um. So they're giving us more information about the games coming out this year. Um, the game that was apparently supposed to come out last year, 
right? But instead they did like Let's Go, Pikachu mm-hmm. and Eevee. Yeah. Which people really liked. Yeah, people liked them. Yeah. Um, the only uh, negative thing I saw about it was that it was easy and implemented too much stuff about like Let's Go, but yeah. that was the point of the game. And yeah. I like brushed that stuff aside. Like, no, that's the point of the game. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be like Let's Go, like uh, Pokemon Let's Go or Pokemon Go. Um, it's supposed to be for casual gamers to bring yeah. them into the world of Pokemon again, make them feel like that's why it was about Gen One so yeah. much, and blah, which blah, blah. people loved. I mean, it's, it's like a blast yeah. to the Paskin, right? It's like nostalgia thing, oh, but like for sure, yeah. And and that was the point. The point was to recapture, yeah. like, and you know, Detective Pikachu, this whole campaign. Yeah. Of like, hey. Yeah. Remember you know, Pokemon? Tw- yeah. yeah. Remember Pokemon? Hey, twenty-five yeah. year olds, twenty-eight year olds, thirty yeah. year olds. Remember this? We're still here. Mm-hmm. It's better than ever. Come back, hop on, hop on board. Okay. So then with these new mainstream games, they always said, hey, I think it was Masuda, the, the um, director of this mm-hmm. game, was like, hey, Let's Go was, for casual gamers, it's supposed to be easy. The mainline games are going to retain the level of difficulty, if not a little bit more so than what Pokemon games have had. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> and so then they showed us um, clips of Sword and Shield. Okay. And it looks cool you know they have the wild area mm-hmm. which is like a wide open area where you can actually see the pokemon which there. i think is cool yeah we, I, we, yeah which is awesome it's something that players have wanted for a while yeah right um and then and and there was so much positive buzz right there was so much like yeah this is gonna be cool they're yeah. like listening to us this is gonna be awesome oh it's set in the uk we've always wanted that that's right that's super cool and I, I would be shocked if there was not or there isn't going to be some PhD like thesis project, someone yeah. that examines how much positive hype can go to negative hype. Yeah. As if, if, ne- if negative hype is even the right term, negative what malice. Yeah, reaction. Yeah, right. From one announcement and when it yeah. was Masuda. And you could see the soul leave his body when he gave the announcement that was like, Hey, so not every Pokemon is going to be available in Sword and Shield. You can have your Pokemon in Pokemon Home, which is going to replace the Pokemon Bank. He didn't say that part, but that's what it is. Um, but you may not be able to import them into Sword and Shield. Mm. We are going to curate the list of available Pokemon for the adventure that we, you know, like there's certain Pokemon that exist in the Gala region. And um, of course, all the Pokemon that are introduced in the Gala region. But other than that, you cannot import your Pokemon from previous games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not on the list. And everyone just lost their fucking minds because that is huge. That's the first time they've ever done this, really, since like the late, since like Generation 4. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, it just, it opened up this can of, this can of hurt, this can of worms where people have been like, what what are you doing like yeah. game freak what are you doing because yeah i get it like we're at over 800 pokemon now yeah. you have to like you know make these high fidelity models and i get it it's a lot to keep up with and balance and competitive blah blah blah, blah. but at the same time like breath of the wild grand theft auto these other games mm-hmm. they have massive amounts of information and they manage to fit it onto a single disc right yeah. or a single cartridge whatever they're using mm-hmm. So, and, and the thing is, they already have the models. Like, the majority of the high-fidelity models, they made them back in X and Y. Mm-hmm. And all they have to do, like, they, they are made in a way that 
like they're there. They all they had to do was downscale them for yeah. X and Y. Sorry, I'm going on like a long. No, I want right? this. I want but, this. Yeah, give me but, the information. But so they made they made the models for X and Y. All they had to do was reduce them. Of course, obviously to fit for like 3DS graphics sure. and that kind of thing. But they're already there. Like they don't have to do anything for Machamp. Yeah. Right. They don't have to do anything for like the Pokemon that are already there. Right. And they did it again for like Sun and Moon. So, you know, you'd think these models are there. You don't have really have to do that much more work on them mm-hmm. for Sword and Shield. So what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you talking about? Like having like, oh, we have to keep up with this is something we're gonna do moving forward. That's the attitude coming from the Pokemon community. Like we are so far behind what other franchises are doing. And you're the number one media franchise in the world. Like in popularity and in dollars. I think that Pokemon has always been a weird one and Nintendo has been always been a weird one in its own way, which we'll get to, I'm sure, but like Pokemon fans are such an interesting breed of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that I've met in my life. Um, and really, I think, again, I can like extend it to like Nintendo fans in general. Um, like the most controversial and like probably heated elements of my like gaming persona after all these years of being in the industry in some form of the fact that like I'm not like the craziest, biggest Nintendo guy. And. Nintendo fans, I feel like, are some of the most rational, thoughtful, articulate people. Hmm. And then whenever they talk about anything related to Nintendo, they just lose all of it. They can't, they just like, they become like the five and six year old kids they were when they first fell in love with Nintendo. Ah. And I feel like they have, like, they can't articulate. I can only hear a thousand, like, online gamer boys scream at me, uh, <laughs> but like, across the void. Gamer boys. Uh, but like, it's just like, I think it's true, right? Like, I think it's true whether it's, we're talking about The Legend of Zelda, or we're talking about, like, Metroid Prime, or Pokemon, or really any of the franchises with maybe the exception of Mario, because I feel like Mario is so big that, like, nobody's really, like, it's just different. But like, obviously, they're kind of smaller franchises, people are just, like, so intensely, like, into them, and like, they can't detach who they, they, they became gamers because of these games kind of thing. And like, Pokemon is like that, but like turned up a little bit because people also have comics and more importantly, the TV show and movies to like consume as well. Like they're part of their lives in kind of in a different way. Um, I don't know. I think my, for me hearing this literally 85 seconds ago when I got in hearing it, um, I would say that like tell these people who are upset and kind of angry is that like, and I say this with all due respect to what Pokemon has done and what they've achieved because it's immense. Um, and it's the scale of it is staggering in some scope. Uh, you're not Breath of the Wild, and you're not GTA, and you're not Red Dead, and you're not Naughty Dog, you're not any of those studios, you're Pokemon, and your games are just a different scope and size. And I mean, I think you really kind of hit the nail on the head there when you're like, there are like 800 plus of these Pokemon. It's that, that is such a, like, I can't even imagine the technological, like, difficulty to go into that and like developmental problem to go with that. And it's also just them being like, Maybe it's as simple as them being like, we could do this, but like, it's so much needless work. Like, it's just so much work on us, right? And it's like, as the industry's being swept up by like crunch culture and also stuff, like, Nintendo has been like one of the few people who've been like, we're not going to make our teams crunch. We're not going to make our teams kill themselves making these games. We're just not going to, like, we, we respect and value and trust our workers. And if they say this is too much or we can't do this, we're going to listen to them, right? Like, Nintendo's one yeah. of the few bastions of like, no crunch in their cultures and like given workers like an actual life outside of games and so it's like it could be simple as that right and it's like i talk all the time we talk all the time on input about how 
crunch in toxic workplace cultures are becoming like more and more prevalent. At least like the stories about them are becoming more and more prevalent. So like maybe it's that avenue, or maybe it's just them being like, we don't want to make eight hundred Pokemon models. It's a lot of work. And like, did they announce like what like the curated number will be? Like they haven't yet, and that's so, a big part of it. So that's the thing. I like we don't know. It could be a lot of like kind of people crying over spilt milk and it could still be like we're gonna have 650 or like 700 out of 800 like it's still be like a huge amount of them right. in there right like it's not necessarily them being like we're only gonna have 151 pokemon here it's like no they're gonna have hundreds of pokemon still that you can kind of use and do and like honestly before you'd said this i didn't even know that they didn't do this already like i would have assumed oh, wow. that they already would have been doing this kind of stuff and like they wouldn't have been allowing you to like bring them forward from like game to game like it's like it's a whole new world kind of thing like we're in yeah. aladdin yeah and so <laughs> did that, you hear that animal crossing uh, was delayed. It was supposed I did to come out this, this yeah, year. It was delayed this. until March because of that reason. Yeah, right. That like, they that they said, hey, we want to make this right. Yeah, and so we don't want to crunch our employees. This is always the like I always think of like the, it's a Shigeru Miyamoto quote, which if you're gonna quote somebody in the game industry, it's a pretty damn good. Person it it to quote. came a lot. It came around a lot this year. Yeah, where it's like a delayed game is delayed once. A bad game is always bad. Right. Like I'd rather have a game. And like again, I think I talked about it literally. I mean, all the time I talk about it because it's my favorite game of all time, but it's like The Last of Us, right? And like they yeah. talk about how like that one month delay they took was the difference between the game being like good to great to the game being the masterpiece that it is. Or like that, that's just a one month delay, but it made such a difference because it allowed them to kind of polish off things and kind of fix things and just do a few final like minor tweaks, right? And like delays never make a game worse, right? right. Like, delays never make anything worse in the game. They only make things better. And if the game is still bad after the fact, it's not the delay's fault. Right. Like, they were just bigger underlying issues or maybe they were too ambitious but like a delay will only make a game better and stronger and more enjoyable for the people who play it eventually it's so funny that you say that because that has come up again All and again time. and so again much on the pokemon board oh yeah the subreddit it's so much because people are saying hey this this completely goes against the heart of what Pokemon is about. Yeah, it's it's completely antithetical to the entire idea. Like, gotta catch them all. Well, now you can't. Yeah. And people who have so so there's these two sides of the argument, which I totally get. Like, there's a very like like kind of what you said. Like, it, it's over eight hundred now. Yeah. This was gonna happen at some yeah. point. Yeah. It, it it you know you you want this high fidelity world. Yeah. Like Breath of the Wild, and I get it. Like coming over a bluff, like like picture Breath of the Wild mixed with Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. Like like Link That'd comes over, like, super rad, and it, like Link comes over a bluff, sees like a Bulbasaur or a little patch, uh, not mm-hmm. a patch. What is a group of Bulbasaur called? Not a herd. I think they'd be called a patch. No, I'd be called a patch. We're gonna say a patch, patch of Bulbasaur. We're gonna get that started right now. I think now. that's what it We're is. We're gonna make that started right now. Um, you see a patch of Bulbasaur, and like okay, I, I have my eyes set on this one, and then you throw your like that would be insane. Yeah. And so that's I the dream, I think, for most people, right? Absolutely. It's like an open, like an actual, like, open world open RPG world Pokemon. Pokemon game, right? Because, like, that's also part of this, too, is the fact that, like, not to interrupt you here, but, like, Pokemon games are also, like, a different genre than GTA and right. Breath of the Wild. Like, they're also operating in, like, different genre. Like, the gameplay mechanics are different than what these games are. Like, if they, if it was, like, cool, Nintendo's, like, we're making a giant, sprawling, open world Breath of the Wild or like Red Dead or GTA style Pokemon game, <laughs> yeah. then it's like, all right, cool, maybe they could do like, then it maybe would make sense to do like 800 of this, but like, this is not what those games are. Like, there's like people would lose their shit if it was but, like these Pokemon games aren't that, like, at least not yet, right? Yeah. And so it's like, there are also different kind of game systems and mechanics involved too, but like, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And, and so what these arguments have sort of distilled into, mm-hmm. and what I think the real core. Uh, the heart of the matter is, is there are three entities when it comes to Pokemon, and each has a stake in it. Mm-hmm. There's Nintendo, yes. there's the Pokemon Company, and there's Game Freak. Yeah. 
And so it's weird. It's like a weird, like, kind of Russian doll, except no one is really under anybody except kind of. So Game Freak is the one making the games. Yeah. And the Pokemon company is the one that owns the franchise. And, of course, Nintendo works in partnership with the Pokemon mm-hmm. company. And so that's why, excuse me, that's why when Detective Pikachu came out, um, everyone was really shocked at, like, the jokes and the caliber of the jokes yeah. and how kind of, at some points, kind of raunchy and kind of adult yeah. the jokes were slightly. Um and then you have to remember, like, this is not Nintendo making this movie. Yep. It's the Pokemon company. Yep. And they have a completely different set of values than Nintendo does, yep. right? So um, Game Freak making this game, and then the fact that Game Freak is also now making Town, the yep. working title, Town, yep. people are starting to wonder, like, is Game Freak just cranking this out because it's their main moneymaker so that they can work on things that they want to do? And yeah. if so, cool, but maybe the Pokemon company needs to think about let's hand this off to someone else that can revitalize this franchise because it's been the same for this so This is what I was going to say, yeah. And like a lot of things I don't think and the, I mean this is just one man's opinion a lot of things should not change like four mm-hmm. moves four moves per Pokemon, right? Like that is what the competitive scene is actually based on, mm-hmm. right? And that's what gives balance to the game. Um, those kind of things are kind of staples of the, uh, b- uh, b- but then again, maybe I've been playing these games for so long that I just don't, I can't think outside that box. Yeah, right. So maybe it should be handed off to a different producer. And, and this is my thing too. Uh, that's a really good point, Renee. Um, I think this is a really interesting point because doing the same thing for twenty years plus now—that's yeah. the thing. Like it's it's a long time, and like obviously there's been turnover and like staff change at Game Freak in that time, and Pokemon in the time, and Nintendo in that time, but like. It's a long period of time, right? And, like, there aren't a lot of game companies or game developers who are still making the same game they were 20 years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. you could argue, like, Miyamoto, but, like, I'd counter-argue and say, like, A, he has Zelda and Mario, so the two very different franchises, but B, he's deliberately sought to kind of develop this, like, connection of people who, like, are taking over these games from him, right? Like, they're making these games that he created and made into what they were and like he's kind of working alongside them now in a lot of cases they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting for him now right he's because he wants to do like he's like he's got some different ideas and he's become such a kind of like godfather of the industry he's a busy guy right and like he's like i want like he's actually like i want to see the next generation make a better mario result again than i ever made like i want them to do it i want because they grew up playing these games they know what they should feel like and be like and do it right and like the same way like i think that like i think it's super crazy i would love the idea of like game freak or like any company being like either told make the pokemon game you want to make like don't make it what it's been for 20 years make any kind of pokemon game you want to make go and if game freak's like we just don't want to make pokemon game that much anymore truthfully like we're just going through the motions because we have to then it's a cool i respect the shit out of that we're going to go look for a studio who wants to make in, like just let somebody make a crazy pokemon game right and like if you're concerned it won't do well or won't like perform well then also have them make like the traditional game to get two studios like pokemon's been before you can have two teams working on those games like have one be like a traditional every pokemon game that's ever been existed right and have one be like make a open world rpg pokemon game make a like yeah i don't even know like make any kind of pokemon game you want to make like do whatever you think works right like you we're giving you carte blanche to like blow up and like maybe there's only three moves now or like two moves or five moves or four moves still but like maybe there are like way scaled back in terms of Pokemon involved. Maybe there's like ways, like maybe they're just doing something that's like so completely different that we can't even think about it yet, right? Like that's to me like something that's super exciting, right? Because like 
the thing I always say is that I think video games in particular have an issue with letting things end. We're really bad at it in the video game industry. And like video game, I think consumers, um, we want things to keep going forever and ever and ever. And like sometimes that works out well, Mario. Some people would say Zelda, I guess. But like sometimes it doesn't. Like Sonic, right? And like some like some franchises are never allowed to just like die or take a break, right? Like Assassin's Creed is great again now, but like it had to get not great for a few years because it just cr like cranked them out so much and so much and so much and so much, right? And yeah, it's like these deadlines. Yeah, right. And like Call of Duty, we're like has to be a new one every single year, right? And like sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not great. Sometimes, like last year, you don't even get a story like a single player campaign in it, which is I think an embarrassment. And I I could do a whole like Modern Warfare Three. Yeah, the fact it wasn't even like blops. Yeah, like it wasn't even like a single player campaign, which I think is like entirely antithetical yes. to what those games should be, right? Absolutely. Like, and I'm still upset about it. And I didn't, I didn't buy that game. I didn't buy that game, which is like a first for me for Call of Duties, because like this isn't for me anymore. Like you're not what this game should be. But like, that's part of the problem of like always having to grind. Like you'll eventually miss huge key features like that, or you like make the games not be like they should be, right? Like Assassin's Creed Syndicate, or like these kind of titles, like we have to crank them out constantly. Like it just leads to burnout on the teams, right? Like people were saying, like we don't need a Pokemon game every year. Yeah, that's a th it's so like, much. Take a like take time with it yeah like every right. two it, it's happening with everything like iphones yeah it's not a and this isn't game related but like iPhones, know, like but all these things related. that are cranked out year after year and it's like you're not innovating now yeah that's you're the just problem. hitting a deadline right and like it leads to in the like because these are people these are human beings who make these games and like it just leads to creative either burnout or stagnation or frustration like one of the three or if not all three right like you just you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again forever right like it's literally why like for assembly line workers, they get moved around to like what they're doing on like the assembly line because otherwise you go crazy. Like literally, like they were going mad when they like first got started in like the 1800s. Like they were losing their minds because just doing the same action for eight, ten hours a day for years. Like they just go nuts, and so like they made them have to like move around so they kind of be creatively stimulated. So right, and like we're not letting game developers do that anymore. Like we're not letting them do different things at some of these big studios and some of these big developers. Right, and like I think like Titanfall only exists because that studio and that team got tired of making Call of Duty. They were like, we have to do something different. We have to do something different. We're going nuts, right? And like Bungie yeah. for like Destiny, right? Like they left Halo because like we want to do something different. Like we've done three of these games and they're great, but like we want to move on to something different, right? And like I look at, like I do for so much in the video game industry, Naughty Dog as a prime example of this, right? Where like Naughty Dog has like shifted what they've done in huge ways each generation basically, right? Where it's like they went and were the team that did Crash Bandicoot made that like the mascot for the ps1 the next generation they didn't keep crash rhythm they did jack and dexter which i think is better and like became its own huge success and then they went to the next generation and didn't make jack 4 they made uncharted which is its own huge like console generation defining success and they were like cool we've done three of these we're gonna do something very different we're gonna do the last fest which is a masterpiece by any objective standard but is also fundamentally different than anything they've done before right? and that they went back and did uncharted 4 again to kind of cap that off and they're doing the last of us part two which despite what anybody says i think they did kind of without necessarily wanting to i think it's because sony was like yo the last of us was kind of the biggest game ever can you maybe do another one of those just one more it sold really well guys um they were like yeah we can do it but like i i think if you get them behind closed doors i bet you they would say like originally we were going to do a new ip right and like i've been on the record constantly along with like a few people at ip like alex EIC where it's like we adamantly do not think there'll be another game like do we think this is the end of the last rest? like no matter what they're not making the last game they were like these games are hard to make they take a long time to make 
and it's a lot of pressure, right? Like it's and in particular, like part two, where it's like, how do you follow up the last risk? Like, how do you do there? And it's like, I can't imagine how much pressure they're under to like live up to that success. And it's like, I'm sure they want to move on to something different, right? Like that's part of, I think the joys of making new things that like, I think the expectations kind of get reset in its own way as well, right? Like it's still like Naughty Dog, you're the biggest dude in the world in terms of like critical acclaim. It's always gonna be a lot of pressure, but like, at least it's not like we have to match this exact thing again. We're not making a sequel to this direct thing. Like you get to do your own thing, right? And so it's like, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a, a right. dichotomy between like developers yeah. and then uh, developers, the parent consumers, parent companies making money, one doing something you make want money, to make, one right? Wants yeah, to become creative and yeah. like stretch the creative juices. But the other one says like, well, but we need to survive. And there, that tension is always there, and it's always there, in literally in any art form, right? Like it's true of sure. like movies or t- I, TV shows Absolutely. is kind of weird, but like movies for sure, and like plays even, right? Like it's always there of like trying to ma- and like music too right like albums of like trying to maximize what you want to like creatively do versus what like will sell so you can do more of what you want to do kind right. of thing right yeah like, Adele, Adele, Adele just do it again Adele just yeah, make right? another one and so it's like and I think that tension is um, is good in some ways right like it kind of fuels you to kind of do and like think of, like innovatively about how you're doing the thing you do but also trying to make it like appeal to a lot of people because you want people to play and watch and consume the things you make um, but like I think when you get stuck in the same thing for years, you just, you, it's inevitable. How would you not get frustrated, right? Like if you had to right. do the same job, working on the same thing forever, you couldn't get promoted to do something <laughs> different. You couldn't like, or if you did get promoted, you still yeah. work on the same thing. Like it's just, you're doing the same thing. Like right. I'm going to be, eventually it's like, I've seen and done everything I can do with this. Right. And it's like, I think Pokemon is really guilty of this. There are so many Pokemon games constantly. And it's like, there's so much Pokemon. Like I would think it'd be rad almost if they were like, all right, cool. We're doing this Pokemon game, and then we're taking two or three years off, right? Right, because like, and the publisher would lose their mind, right? But like, it's also a thing of like, maybe they wouldn't, right? Because like, I look at the other two kind of big Nintendo franchises I talked about, where it's like Mario and Zelda go years without another title, right? Like they go years without Mario right. games or Zelda games, and like those games are still great, and that just leads to people who are like anticipating them and wanting them again. Like yeah. they miss them. It allows you kind of time to like save what you had, right? And it's like. Yeah, Pokemon I've, needs to do the same thing. Right, and like they, they do. And like I think when Assassin's Creed Origins came out again, like the people had been absent of an Assassin's Creed game for like two years, and they were like, we want this again. Like we didn't want it when it was every single game, but now we haven't had it, and we want it again, right? In the same way where it's like Rockstar very noticeably does not release games yearly. They go long stretches of time, right? Like GTA V came out in 2013. Their next video game came out in 2018. That was Red Dead Redemption 2. There was a five-year gap, right? And, like, GTA 4 came out in 2008. GTA 5, again, was 2013. Like, they allowed for these, like, gaps. And, like, in between that was Red Dead, but that was 2010. So, it was still a three-year gap, right? Like, they allow time to just, like, make you want these things again. And I don't think Reddit, I don't think anybody would call Rockstar bad at <laughs> the art of making video games or making money, right? Like, GTA 5 is arguably the best video game of all time. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a smash hit, the best under game of last year, beat Call of Duty. Red Dead Redemption 1 sold very well, GTA 4 sold very well, so it's like they know what they're doing, right? Like, they don't need to do this yearly, because they used to do that, right? Like, they used to do GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas all come out in the span of three games in four years. Like, they've cranked them out, right? And they did bully stuff and, like, manhunt all these games in between them, but, like, they were like, we, A, it's a shit ton of work, and B, we can just take some off, people will want them, and then they'll buy even more of these games because I've missed them, right? And it's like... Yeah. I would love sense. to be a fly on the wall in Game Freak oh, right God. now and to see... You Anywhere know, are, Nintendo, are they, really. Are yeah. they internalizing this? Are they... Yeah, that's Thinking the thing, about, right? like... 
I'm sure it's just full speed ahead right now, right? Like we yeah. made our decision, we got to stick to it. Then the yeah. next game—that's the question mark pe- for me. Pe- people are gonna, people are already saying like, I'm gonna skip this game because I assume they're gonna take this backlash, internalize it, and then into like Ultra Sword Ultra because they always release like a yeah. update, you know, whatever. Um, they're you know they're gonna fix it or fix whatever issues. So people are, I think people are just artificially waiting two years. Yeah, so and we'll it, see. it's interesting. Like as a final point to like. Nintendo in particular is a weird one where it's like they're the most tradition based of the big three companies, right? Like, yeah. And so it's like it's also thinking like, are they taking the feedback? Like, I don't know. Like, I I like to think that like they understand that like maybe if we take a time off of Pokemon, it can allow for like new, fresh creative ideas, like big creative ideas, like because like obviously like not the exact same game as it was in nineteen six, but like it's incredibly similar. It's like pretty much the same game. So it's like it could allow for them to do like really cool, bold, innovative, fresh ideas that you like took like a year or two off and like, just like go make anything, go make any Pokemon game you want to make. Don't be bound by like the rules and traditions and like what we've done in the past. Do your own game, Game Freak, or do your own game, fill the blank studio, like just make your game, right? Cause like when I think people are given that freedom, they can lead to things like Breath of the Wild or Mario Galaxy or these kind of titles from these, again, same very tradition based teams but into a lot more freedom. And then I'd also say that, like, I feel like Mario and Zelda just have more freedom, partially because, like, again, Miyamoto, he he, he is those teams, and he can do whatever he can the hell he wants. wants. He can do whatever that's, he wants. That's, like, that's the thing. Game Freak is beholden to the Pokemon yeah. company, which is beholden to Nintendo. So maybe they're even... And, and the, the work couple... Work and that's such a weird relationship, too. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, the work it, culture. It, it, maybe they don't even know that, like, yeah. poke the, uh, the Nintendo company would be like, Hey, no, you're 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 okay. You can take a couple years. You can off. take time. Maybe right? they haven't even asked that question. That's part of it too. I, that's a really good point. I think Do you want to talk about Keanu? I don't talk about Keanu Reeves. So yeah, like, how much of Cyberpunk have you seen? Not that much. So I, of course, I saw the presentation, but um, Keanu Reeves is in Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it was revealed during E3. It got a big pop in the theater itself. There are a lot of great reaction videos, including one from kind of funny. Oh, yeah, there's a meme now. Where they lose their minds. Um, we're living in, I can't even say the year of Keanu. It's more of like, it's just the decade, the, the generation, the lifetime of Keanu Reeves. He's and immortal. We're, so. And we're all just trying to enjoy it as much as we can, which is a lot, because Keanu is perfect. He's and getting so, a lot of attention. It's a great time to be Keanu Reeves. Yeah, John Wick is like, it's nice, it's like a really cool, like, renaissance almost. The last, like, four or five years with John Wick and then now Cyberpunk and, like, him just becoming, like, people have recognized him for, like, this really, like, amazing articulate like passionate like cult like cultured person like who has like really like amazing answer like this is a like, funny like one he had with like stephen colbert about like what do you like what happens to like you after you die kind of thing did you hear did you see this no so stephen colbert like jokingly sounded just like people ask like kind of like really wise questions because he seems so wise kind of thing <laughs> and he's like what happens to you after like what do you think happens after we die it was like the exact question like what do you think happens to you after he dies and kind of took that kind of like opening because it was a weird way to word that question it doesn't he didn't say like what do you think happens to us after we die what do you think happens like do you think we go to heaven or hell or do you think there's an afterlife he didn't say that. he said right. what happens after we die after and kind of reeves after we die okay okay and kind of reeves said like i think the people who love us will miss us and it's like it's such a beautiful answer right like it's it's so yeah. true like it's like the thing like that's like the one thing that happens like it's like that's what happens right and like there's a great like video of this on like Stephen Colbert's show but it's like somebody like also uh john green one of the vlog brothers who i love spent an entire or i think it might have been hank green spent an entire video four minute video just talking about that one moment that one scene and like why it's so cool and like why it's like counter is the best kind of thing 
but also because it's like it caught everybody off guard right like everybody a few people started laughing because they thought he's gonna have like the punchline to that kind of joke it's like a dumb like wise question i think like he was why what happens after we die it's like oh like we go you know whatever like meet the flying spaghetti monster and instead he said something wise so said like laughing then they recognize what he said and they are quiet a few people clap because they don't know what else to do and then people kind of go like oh and it's like this kind of like unsettledness of like the, he like totally like subverted like the entire room's expectations of, like what he should say he didn't say what he should have said which is like a joke or something flippant or something silly he said what the actual answer is it's what the one thing that we all know is true of what happens after we die and it's the people who love us will miss us it's the one absolute right and it's like this really beautiful poignant moment that he like delivered and it totally shattered our preconceived notions of like what you do in a late night talk show it's not how late night talk shows work you don't you don't give wise soulful insightful answers yeah you don't and you so don't. it's a really great moment of like an unsettled crowd and like even Stephen Colbert is kind of like whoa like taken back and kind of like half like smile and half joking and half like that was lit um, isn't that the wisest answer of all? Yeah, that's kind of the thing, right? And so it's like, Keanu Reeves is just like this dope person is what I'm trying to say. And then seeing him <laughs> in Cyberpunk is like rad, right? Because like, I think Cyberpunk is going to be cool. Um, I didn't play CD Projekt Greg's last game. I didn't play The Witcher 3. Um, but it's, you know... Well, you can now because it's going to be on the Switch. Very critically it can be. I'm running at about 25... Uh, P, I think. Uh, and, <laughs> How dare you? And so... I like I didn't play it, but like it's obviously very critically acclaimed. But like Cyberpunk, and, like the more and more I see it, the more and more I get stoked. It's like very like Blade Runnery, but like almost like a slightly more colorful, fun Blade Runner. Um, it's like this giant sprawling open, like it just seems immense and like kind of funny and kind of very serious at the same time, like just rad. And it seems like a, it seems like honestly just like that, like a rad video game. Now you have Keanu in it. It's like what's more rad than Keanu? And just like the buzz around that, like a lot of sites played the game and then we're giving it their like game of the shows at e3 right like it's like a big thing like i don't know when we'll see cyberpunk like i it won't come out this year maybe next fall like it could be very much like this might not even be a this gen game like, it could be like a launch kind of game for like ps5 kind of thing xbox whatever they call it we wasn't that at the was a cyberpunk its own remind me at its own presentation or was it part of the xbox it was part of the xbox one i believe yeah okay. it's part of the xbox one um yeah because cd project red yeah doesn't have his own presentation so it's like yeah like it just seems really rad and cool and fun and like shout out to ken reeves like we just always should like treasure him and talk about that man Dude, yeah matrix he's, man he's really killing it i and mean he's the, all over the, he's all over reddit and that's yeah and that's the thing like i was talking to like a buddy of mine like a film guy and he's like the thing about keanu is that like he's just been ridiculous every decade and like almost like every five years of decade right where it's like he came out and hit like point break and then he had <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Journey. And the 90s, the 90s, to be fair, were, like, definitely his decade he had locked down. But, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Journey, right? Like, Point Break. Then he had Speed. Then he had The Matrix, which is, like, arguably the most, like, generation-defined movie of this generation, right? Right. And then he kind of had that, like, maybe, like, four or five years off. Constantine came out that time period, too, though. We're going to talk about that. And then, yeah. And then he's come back, and it's like, yo, it's John Wick time, right? Like, it's a new decade, and I'm own it just as much and John Wick is like this huge moment again of him and like his serious act chops are there and like he's a great actor and he does really cool like smaller things too and like he's rad. I've noticed that the the, sort of a recipe for success not the only one but one of them is bring bring your A game to something that should be silly. Yeah. Because John right, Wick, yeah. by all means, like, I watched should be a trailer. dumb action movie. It should be stupid. Yeah. I, I, and when you watch the trailer for the first one, it's dumb. It's like, 
oh, they killed my dog. Yeah. And he was the last gift for my dying wife. Yeah. And like, oh, okay, so that's his whole motivation for this movie. It should be silly. But he brings this like weight to that character. Yeah. He, he's he's in it. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, how would you feel if someone killed the dog from your dying wife? Like, shit. And he completely invests in it. Yeah. And, and it makes the movie so much better. I think part of this goes for Keanu, but really of anybody really, is like, there's a genuineness to him, right? Like, he just seems so, he is just so genuine. He is Keanu Reeves. He is who he is. Like, he's just like, and like, you see it almost like in so many of his roles, right? Where it's like, Weirdly, like Bill and Ted is like a very counter. Like he's counter movies can be so silly and goofy, right? I, mean, I, I think as he aged, he's kind of evolved more into like kind of this like philosophical, kind of like almost like wise, not even old man. He's just like a forty year old guy, but he's like he's just so he seems so wise, and because he, he is, he's like he's learned languages. He's like an actual like like giant like MMA guy, and like he like is like a weapons expert kind of thing. And he's like in real life, like he just is like super talented. And I think he brings that kind of genuineness of, like, his soul to these roles, right? Like, John Wick should be so dumb. It should be, like, as dumb as any of those 80 action movies. But it's not. It's not dumb like those 80 action movies are. It's clever and it's there's, smart there's, and, like, it's subversive, it. right? And, like, that's there's character in it, right? Like, the, like, first, like, whatever part of the John Wick 2 where it's, like, him and his dog just hanging out and, like, having a good time together, right? It's, yeah. it's like, a weirdly, like, it's, like, the man's best friend version of, like, the first 15 minutes of Up where it's, like, <laughs> beautiful and poignant. Like, why this, like dog and human relationship works so well and then it like also is like the heartbreak of how it comes to an end but it's like beautifully done like there's so much character like work and arc in that first 15 20 minutes whatever and it's between a human being and a dog and a tiny dog at that and it's like man like it's weird that i'm this emotional all of a sudden now (laughs) but you are like it's thing like you are very emotional when that happens like when the dog does die and like he when you get like him going like on a basically like revenge quest to avenge a dog like just murdering people it's like this makes sense I, like i get it and like i think that's like one of the cleverest parts of this movie where it's like yeah this isn't dumb like it's i earned. get it yeah like it's earned kind of thing it makes sense right and like yeah. it helps that like the action scenes are some of the single best of any movie ever like there are amazing action movies right they combine almost like the intensity of like the raid movies with like right. kill bill and like they're yeah. immaculately constructed action movies and set pieces and like the choreography is insane, and so you combine that in the story and kind of Reeves. I think that John Wick and uh, Detective Pikachu are actually weirdly similar yeah. in that way. They should be dumb movies, yes, but there was so much care given to so many yes. different avenues in those movies. Like in Pokemon, it was the character design yeah. and the plot, and in John Wick, it's also the story and the action sequences. There's care put in them. Yeah. And I think that. Jupiter Ascending, which was a terrible movie, yeah. could have been a movie like this yeah. if there was more care given to the lore and the story. Because Eddie Redmayne mm-hmm. was completely there for that He's movie. He's a great actor. He was so there for it. And, and every review and podcast that I've listened to about Jupiter Ascending, um, there's a really good episode of it on, on how did this get made. But um, it's a... Everyone agrees that, like, Eddie Renmain is the only person mm. in this film who knows what it's... <laughs> who, like, understands, like, oh, this is wild and wacky, yeah. and I need to, like, fully invest into, like, how yeah. wild and wacky it is. And it completely reads. And I think... I wonder, too, like, I think for so many movies like this, like, it's also just something as simple as, like, not treating your audience stupidly, right? Like, not... Like, yeah. Just, like trust in your audience a little bit right like that goes such a long way right where it's like 
John Wick and Tex Pikachu like have a respect for it's actually like I think Tex Pikachu is a really good example of Renee where it's like it has a respect for its audience like it understands like they know the like this world and these characters and like it doesn't need to like talk down to them or like overly explain it or like act like it's something that it isn't right it's like this is the world of Pokemon this is what it is right and it's like an example I think of like a great success that like define it almost like birthed an entire generation that like has like struggled to match it and really hasn't but in a lot of ways it is star wars right where it's like mm. star wars doesn't treat you like you're dumb i'm like i'm, I'm talking in particular of like three i mean uh four five and six the original right. trilogy they treat you like you're not dumb they do not treat you like you're stupid or like they're like it's something as like small and subtle as like there aren't any like what word we're on like title screens you just right, know you just right. know what world you're on you just know what world you're on because you've listened and watched these characters talk about where you're going like what you're doing like they don't need to explain tattooing title card it doesn't matter you yeah. know where you are what year is it i don't know sometime a long time ago exactly right and like care. it doesn't matter and like it doesn't overly explain like why the like the mythology or the world or, like where we got like episode four a new hope the very first film in the star wars saga and like one of the first cypher films ever starts in a literal fight it just starts, and there's already something happening. There's already a battle. Right. There's already people blasting on board the tentative four. And they just, why are they doing this? What's going on? Like, you got the title card? That's why. That's all you're going to get? Just go with the story and see where it takes you kind of thing. Why I'm is it episode four? Who knows? Yeah, Who cares? Like, you they don't. just trust you. To, like, you've jumped into the middle of a story. Like That's a this, great point, Logan. This because world has already existed. Right? Like, it didn't start for you. It's already been evolving and happening for years and years and years. Like, you're just yeah. in the middle of the story right now. Right. And, like, for a movie to not handhold its audience... Yeah. When it's dropping you in the middle of a story and you're just like, I guess I have to pick up. Like, yeah. I'm sure people wanted to Google, but Google wasn't a thing. But I right. wanted to know, like, why is it episode four? Yeah. Why are we starting here? Like, what? Like, what is? Like, what is? Because, like, that's the thing about episode four. Like, the, I think the thing that's so because I think Star Wars is like a perfect trilogy of movies, like four, five, six. Those are that's a perfect trilogy of films. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what makes it special is that like you learn just by being in that world, right? Like, there's never some, like, giant exposition dump of information. There's never, like, a giant thing of, like, here are who these characters are and where they come from and what they do. And I think something that the prequels struggled with a lot is this stuff, but it's, like, the original trilogy had it nailed down where it's, like, by the end of episode four, the emperor's name is just, like, said in passing. You haven't seen him. You have no idea who he is. You won't until episode six, the end of the trilogy, when you finally see who he is even you don't really understand like you get like you learn about what the empire is and you know that it's terrible and it's bad just by offhanded comments and like passing conversations and like meetings and kind of like you hear like the end of kind of thing but, like you never get like a giant broad pitch like here's where it's at here's its headquarter here's like the hierarchy it's like no like, you don't need to know this you need to know these characters and what they're going how they interact because it's like i think i've i've really like surprised myself by like how good of analogy this is where it's like <laughs> I didn't expect it to be skip, but it, it, actually, it actually works really well, but it's, like, better than I thought it would. But it's, like, yeah, like, you are just, like, I think a lot of the best movies for me, or a lot of the best stories in general, right, like, put you in these worlds that exist outside of you. Like, you don't matter. You're coming into this story and this world because, like, they already exist, they exist independently of you, right? And, like, if there's any series that does it well, it's Star Wars. Like, Star Wars, you're just coming into the stories in the middle of them. Like, they're already happening around you. Like, even, like for all of the problems the prequels have, and there are a lot, like, one thing they do get right is, is, like, you just walk in, right? Like, episode one begins with, like, them on board the, like, ship with, like, the Gungan, or not Gungan people, the fucking Trade Federation people. Gundam? Like, the Trade Federation people. Like, why are they there? It doesn't matter. They are. You're in the middle of a story. They're just going here to talk about some trade bullshit, which is dumb, but, like, they're going to talk about them, and you don't need to know how they got there or they came from, what like, anything big thing that happened. It's just, like, this is what they're doing, right? And, like, 
episode seven, again, tapped into that magic of like, you're in the middle of a story, man. Like, what happened last 30 years? Sucks to be you. You should have been here. Like, you should have been here for the 30 years and you weren't. And like, now you just have to kind of find out in offhanded comments and like weird kind of text things and like just like subtle environmental clues, right? Like, one of the best things for me in episode seven is that there's just like a giant downed Star Destroyer in the movie and they don't talk about it. It's just like, there's a battle here. You just have to know that. And like, what happened? I have no idea, but I know that at some point I'm in the battle, a Star Destroyer landed on the planet and became like a sunken, like, yard for like yeah like a sunken ship full of sand for people to kind of like scavenge stuff and that's it that's all you get right like it's all you're gonna learn from that moment you never get a single word about like about that ship it's just there it's in that world because it exists outside of you right and like the best movies do that so well right like even like like amazing films like right like the godfather like what happened before this doesn't matter here's my corleone coming back from the war on a sister's wedding day who she's marrying you're gonna find out what's happening like what you just find out like who these characters and people are like great movies do this so well like these worlds don't need you they are happening interchangeably without you right and like this is true of me for like the best games right like the best games work where like these worlds feel lived in and real and authentic and like you are just somebody in it and right. it does not stop for like you. You were not, born into this world. Yeah, like it does not revolve no around you. It does not operate on you. And in some cases, it doesn't want you. It doesn't like you that you're in this world. Like, you shouldn't be here kind of thing, right? And it's like, I think for all of the many problems I have with Breath of the Wild, which I have quite a few, like, mm. one thing I think it gets right is the fact that, like, this world doesn't give a shit about you. You are just here. And, like, you, it is operating and revolving anyway. Like, it is going to keep going whether you were doing anything or not. Like, it is happening in Breath of the Wild, right? Like, it is just going on. And, like, Red Redemption 1 in particular, I think, is just, like, you were happening. You were just some bum idiot outlaw guy who couldn't get away from the law quick enough. So you got caught and dragged back into this world. But like, it is going on anyway. Like it is, we are speeding towards a new way of life, John Marston. And you can't stop it no matter how hard you try. We're going into a new century, a new way of life for America. And the Wild West is dead. And you can't stop it. And it's just going to happen. You have to kind of ride along the train here, right? And it's like, Skyrim did that too. And Skyrim, Skyrim are great games, right? And it's like, I, they're not games for me, but like the Dark Souls games are great. Yeah. It's just like, this is a lived-in world that has happened for like, and it's hard to find out the millennia, story. right? You have to. That's the thing. Like, it difficult. does not hold your hand. Like, you have to find it. You have to actually find out what the hell is going on in this like world. Reading kind of a thing. book, like books that are scattered around, and it's hard to get to those yes, books because everything wants to kill you. And because like these worlds aren't here to serve you, like they've just like they ha they've built their own things, right? And it's like again, I'm gonna go back to it because it's my favorite game. But like the last of us, where it's like there are entire stories and character arcs you just won't find if you don't find them right like they, they are not served you. you have to find these people and these kind of stories and these arcs right and like it's made the most famous one is like Isha's story when you go into the sewers where it's like it's a thing it's basically except for like one or two moments entirely environmental they're just like letters and notes you pick up and like writings on the walls you see but like you get you learn about a character that you will never actually see in the game called ish and it's, it's his story from like the sunken ship you see like lead into the like sewer system all through the sewers. You just learn about this character and this community he slowly built up and brought together and band of survivors he like kind of led and like they formed like this kind of like commune in the sewers kind of like away from everybody else and like it shows you him being shipwrecked there, him welcoming in the first survivor, him welcoming in the first few people, building that community, building the thing and like the rise of it and then like what led to it falling apart and it's beautiful. It's super like heart-wrenching and tragic and sad and also like really kind of inspiring and hopeful about like humanity and what we can be and it's like really great and it's like how it ends out as it goes like 
before the sewers in the sewers and then like a few things after the sewers are all things you can miss except for like again like the giant ship and then like one or two things like you can miss this entire character this entire civilization's story it can all be just things that you don't notice if you don't pick up the letters if you don't no read the writings if you don't watch what's happening around you you can miss it all right it's just like this is a place that is lived in and if you find out what happened here awesome but if you don't that's also i mean okay you get a shittier story but like it's also fine because like it exists independently of you right and it's like the last race is a good example where it's like the last race starts and like you're going like you're in it and so it's like these worlds exist outside of you like you don't matter especially in like the last race where it's like joel is just like a dude he's not like in charge of like resistance he's not in charge of like the government he's not like some giant bigwig he's a smuggler he's just some guy who's here trying to make a life trying to just like not die the next day the next minute the next hour right and it's like those stories and games or movies are the ones that are the like most cool to me where it's like these just are people who are existing whether we're here or not we're just getting like snapshots of their lives and these worlds exist and we're just getting snapshots of these worlds and these times and these moments and that's all we can really ask for because like that makes them more authentic and more real and more powerful to me yeah. more intimate I, to me i want to get to something that you wrote down in the doc um but before i do uh i just want to quickly say that um Animal Crossing is everything, and it's my life, and I'm really excited for it. Animal Crossing is rad. Animal Crossing is rad. Yeah, I think I think you're referring to me talking about Sonic 06 being bad. And yeah, well, Assassin's that, I mean, that's Odyssey. just really funny. Like, what are you talking about when you're talking about Sonic? So, Sonic 06 is a video game, um, I guess. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, over at Rash Passions, we do a thing called Video Game Book Club, uh -huh. where we play through a video game and have like a book club around it kind of thing, uh -huh. and take like moments through it. Um, the one that I nominated was Bioshock 2. We played through that. Always That's a great game. It wasn't as good as I remember it being Bioshock 2, the second one, um, which kind of bummed me out. But like, it was still good. It was still fun to play through it again. I'd miss, yeah. I hadn't played it in nine years, seven years, something like that. Um, but George Cruz Alvarez, uh, social media editor, senior staff of RashPassions.com, one of my dear friends, co-host of Input with me, um, beautiful boy, is also a glutton for punishment. He, he hates himself. and next to do bad things. And so he nominated Sonic 06, one of the most universally critically panned games oh, of all time. It's one yes. of the worst video games ever made. Yes. He nominated that for his video game. It's broken, it's worked properly, it's a mess, it's a disaster. He picked that. So we were playing through Sonic 06. And Sonic 06, I had never played before. I had never played Sonic 06. I got sent a copy of it from one of the other guys in the book club. As in Jared, another guy in the book club, he got sent a copy as well. And three of the four of us on this book club have never played the game before. It is our maiden voyage in a Sonic 06. But it's like a broken game. It's broken. It doesn't work properly. And also, like, it's not fun. And, but, like, it's a thing of, like, maybe it's so, like, bad it's good kind of thing. And I'm only, like, a few hours into it. And it's, I can almost, like, see the moment where it's, like, maybe it could be, like, so bad it's good. But it's just so bad. And part of that is the fact that, like, the camera, like, I always, I always get the X and the Y axis confused. Like the side X, to side. X is, X is side to side. So the y X axis is inversed. So if you want to look left, or if you, I, I look right, but if you want to look right, let's say, you have to turn left on the stick. If you want to look left, you have to turn right on the stick. And so it's like the opposite of what you like naturally think it should be. Like you don't go like, usually you like turn the stick and you kind of go that way, or you go this way. Uh -huh. It makes sense. You're doing the opposite this way. It's like inversed. And so like it's... Like, Banjo Kazooie also has this problem. And it breaks your brain. It breaks my brain. It's like this, A, it's not how video games are made anymore. But B, it's like, even at the time, it's where how they made like even people didn't make games like this even 2006 either and so it's that weird thing of like man like it's like you're wrestling with the camera constantly um 
the like people and it doesn't give you the option to switch no oh my god oh don't be silly don't be silly no 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 no. uh and the people in the world are like they're it's like weird like because they're they're humans in a sonic game it's the first ever like 3d sonic game i've played i've never played a 3d sonic game before like i didn't play sonic force or anything like that or like adventures so that's like a weird new novel approach and then like the camera i can't talk enough about the camera because the camera is like really the biggest culprit i think keeping it from being like so bad it's good just being like so bad is because like you can't enjoy things as much because like the camera's wild right and like you get through the opening thing in sonic 06 and then you get like sent to like a beach area where it's a bit like it's almost like a quick time of thing but like you still have control but like you don't have control of the camera anymore and it's like yeah. like you can't stop running like you just run the entire time like at this point like it's like a giant ch- kind of chasey thing um but like it's insanity like you like you literally like the game loads and we should mention that the loading screens are three minutes long um, oh, okay. and which even at the time was bad and you load up the game and then yeah like you just boom and you're running you're instantly just running you sprint after yeah what are you sprinting after i don't know it's like the living world thing except for like done bad <laughs> you're, you're just running i mean it's everything you want like the world doesn't exactly, care about you exactly exactly it doesn't want care you sonic 06 let me just say this that world definitely does not care about, about you and you're running after the thing now and you go in the kids like throw around stuff and shit it's like the binding of isaac doesn't care about you either yeah <laughs> we can do a whole thing about binding of isaac <laughs> uh but then like again there's like this part where it's like you're like on like a wood track kind of thing like running after something and that's when the camera becomes wild and like that because like then you like lose control of the camera like it just controls it just like where you're going is. and yeah like it's like it's like now like automatically going just like kind of giving you different angles like cinematic views i assume is what it's kind of going for Except for, like, one of them is, like, cool. Like, you're running straight on, and so the camera's on your face, which means you can't, like, see where you you're going. You can't see anything. You have, like, yeah, like, it's, like, you running towards the camera, so you can't see where you're going. And then, like, you'll, like, come around a corner, which you didn't know was there, and it'll cut, and now you're going sideways, and then you go around a corner, and it cuts, and now you're behind you, and then it cuts, and you're, like, you just, like, keeps, like, quick cutting is where you like are. Is it, like, the end screen of Super Smash <laughs> Ultimate, like, when you beat the campaign, and the I haven't ever played the end of Super <sighs> Smash Ultimate, but I'm just going to assume sure. But it's, like, it's like but automatic, it's but it's doing, it's just, like, cut, 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 and, like, you can't see where you're, like, you don't know where you're running anymore. Um, and then you do that, and then it's just, like, a giant chase scene, and it becomes, like, what am I doing, where am I going? Like, it's, like, almost, like, disorienting kind of thing. Um, and then we're back in the world again, in the in the real world. Um, and then it just becomes that thing of like the it's like a joke of like it's like the room of how bad this game could be kind of thing where it's like you like enter in like when you talk to somebody like the game loads like them talking the text to you which is like all right sure like it's not great even at the time but like I'll allow it kind of thing it's fine so you hear them talk whatever text kind of thing to you and then twice in the game now you've I went to go talk to him loading screen for three minutes they say their text of words. I kind of think it's like, kind of like a okay cool I'm like huh. a okay cool I'm getting from, I'm getting like dialogue what's happening in the world kind of thing cool 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 and then exit out of that loads cool I'm gonna be back in charge and like walk around and like investigate more of the world except for tricks on you it loads more of them talking in text and you have to go a again and it's like why did we just do why did why did I have to have a second loading screen for them to talk order me that's a weird that's a weird that's a weird decision uh, Sonic and then find the third one you get to like run around the world again it's like that was weird but that might have been like a weird like one-off thing but it's happened multiple times i'm just like them doing like and oh, it's actually a second one of these i'm gonna like listen to them talk a little bit more it's like totally antithetical to sonic the hedgehog going fast and it's also it goes totally, slow it's also totally antithetical to the point of like all right cool we're loading them talking to me so why do i now need a second loaded screen of them talking more to me to make that one thing seems like a weird because not like <laughs> it's not like any it's not like it's like a giant amount of dollars more it's like one thing more of text and it's like why did this why do i wait three minutes for that um and then like it's that thing of like Sonic 
I will give it this, like, Sonic goes fast, but, like, the problem is that, like, Sonic goes fast, and you're in, like, an open-world thing, sort of, and trying to talk to people, and it's like, man, like, you're, like, <laughs> I'm gonna use a visual imagery, but Renee will appreciate it, where it's, like, you're running, and you're, like, you stop, but you kind of go like this, like, you're on, like, skates, and you kind of, like, stop, and it's, like, all right, cool, I have to, like, go back here, and, like, the amount of times, like, I've almost run off, like, the, like, world and, like, into the ocean, which I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume Sonic can't swim, and where he just, like, stopping those, like, little, like, dancing thing, and, like, don't fall off kind of thing, and, like, oh gets pulled God. back, it's, like, a lot, um, and it's also that thing of, like, so the game's opening cutscene, which is, like, notorious, because, like, it's, like, gorgeous, like, it's actually, like, 12 years later, still a beautifully done cutscene. Oh, I've seen this, yes. And then it's it gets into, like, how, like, out of the world it actually is, but, like, more to the point, like, you become, like, what are we doing? Like, I have, n- I've played this game for, like, two hours, and I'm still just, like, I have no idea what is happening, where we're going, where it's, like, things just, like, are going so quickly in the story, where it's, like, I don't, all right, like, cool, now it's, like, a giant metal dog thing I'm fighting, and, like, there was one point where, like, you, like, jump on, like, this dog in the first boss fight, and, like, like basically, like, right up its back and, like, smash it into, like, a brick thing, and, like, it, like, bucked me like a bull, and in a game-breaking bug kind of thing, it flung me up onto, like, the top level of the arena, which I shouldn't have been at, and I was just, like, stuck there, and I was like, uh, and I was like, I found my first game breaking bug, and then I like managed like literally like running like against like I could like feel the game like I was like breaking like the like physics of the game like just running like basically like si- like sideways left, it's like dragging me slowly closer as I kept going like forward and forward like forward more and more like just dragging me to like the left of the arena until like finally like dropped me back down and it's like cool, I shouldn't have been up here, I shouldn't have been able to get back like this, but like I'm back down in the arena, I have to like reset the boss fight lit I guess. Um, it's like riddled with bugs and flaws. It's dumb. It's le- long learning screens. It's goofy, but like not in a good way yet. But like I'm excited to get to the part where it's like there's apparently like one boss fight that is like infamous for like notorious. Like it's one of the worst boss fights in a video game ever, and I'm very close to it. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, you know so what we'll game? See. You know what game wouldn't do you dirty like that, Logan? What game? Animal Crossing New Horizons. Tell me about Animal Coming Crossing New Horizons. Coming out in uh, March of uh, next You're year. You're a big Animal Crossing guy, and I'm, I've never played it. I've never played one second of Animal Crossing Dude, my entire life. Real quick, you know, it was delayed, but but that's fine because it's delayed until springtime, and these people know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Because you don't understand this, but winter time for Animal Crossing, it's still fun, but it's, it's boring. Hard. It's hard. It's boring. Like, there's no way to, like, you're not going to get, you're not going to pay off your mortgage getting bugs and fruit when there's no bugs and fruit because it's wintertime, right? Mm-hmm. Spring. I understand a farm life. I do get it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I guess. From Missouri. Yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, it was super smart and I'm really excited to just zen up. Okay, anyway, you, um, I've, we're, I've we're gotten, in, this is a quick one. We're uh, low on t- oh, okay, go ahead. Because I was like, I've played Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I yes. got it after talking about it to Renee and a few other people. And you say it's pretty. I'm only, like, I literally was playing it before I came here. I've only played, like, because I got it Wednesday. It is the one you have, yeah. Look at this. I think I bought it Wednesday. Took, like, 10 hours to download, which is fine. It's fair. Um, it's a big game. It's a huge game. Um, and so I started playing it yesterday. Played about half an hour. And played probably about, like, 20 more minutes today. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm a guy who's like notoriously not an Assassin's Creed guy. Um, I don't think, because I, I think, like, if anybody was like a mark for an Assassin's Creed game, it should be me, right? Like, it's like their game's all about like history and like these cool stories and the cool cast characters. And like, I am somebody who's like loved history. It's like been like one of my biggest passions. I got a degree in this. Um, their game should be, in particular, like Assassin's Creed 3, set in the American fucking revolution with George Washington. It's like, this is a game 
for yours <laughs> truly if there ever was one, right? But it's like that game is just not fun. Like the combat is bad. Like you couldn't cr- you couldn't like crouch like when you wanted to in a stealth game. It's like these that's are what, like bad stealth games. That's when I fell out of love with Assassin's yeah. Creed. I was but really then, disappointed. Yeah, and then they took a few years off because they got just like worse basically over time and became like more riddled bugs. And like they came back out with Origins in 2017. People adored the game. And then 2018, um, Odyssey, people love that one even more, right? And it's like ancient Greece is always a setting that like I've been obsessed with, right? Like I love Greek mythology. I love Percy Jackson. I like God of War. Um, probably because it's, they're all set in that Greek mythological setting. It seems like an incredible world. Greece in itself is obviously beautiful. Um, like ancient history like appeals to me like how people kind of lived and like what's cool about Odyssey is that like again go back to that point like this is just a world that exists kind of independently of you and what's cool about this is like you're just like dropped in the middle of the story you don't really know what's going on you don't know who these people are that don't like you but you have to kind of like deal with it you don't know who this girl is that does like you that's like like kind of like almost like a surrogate like either sister or daughter I feel like it's kind of like figure out what's going on with her and like what her story is and like build that bond up and then Odyssey's cool, and I think Origins the same way, where it's like you kind of like can make your character the kind of person you want to be. Like you can make it like an asshole or not an asshole, like a cool person or not a cool person, like a nice guy or not a nice girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's really rad. Um, it's a lived-in world, and it feels really cool. Like there are like mythological creatures existing because it's like these people are these creatures are real, which is neat. Um, I'm in exceptionally early in like I've been told it's like a 70 hour game I'm 45 minutes maybe 50 minutes into the game nice um, but like it's really really cool um, tomorrow which is recording on Saturday so Sunday um, I'm, I plan on playing just like a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey like really get into the world to see like how much I like it um, I got it because like there's a giant like PSN like summer of fun like sale thing happening right now where like yeah. they're like giant discounts all around you can get FIFA 19 Madden 19 NBA 2K19 and NHL19, all four games, all the newest editions for $30 in a bundle thing right now on PSN. Oh, on PSN. Which is absolutely nuts. I'll never play NHL19, but the other three games I will play. I'll play the shit out of FIFA like I do every year and love it. I need. I haven't got a new FIFA game in two or three years, so it's like I need one anyway. Madden, I'll play a little bit of that. And NBA 2K, all over that. So it's like, for 30 I was like, man, I got... Assassin's Creed, I might go back tomorrow. It runs until, I think, Sunday or Monday. Um, I might go back tomorrow and just buy the bundle. They'll be like, this is just like an absurdly good deal. This is bonkers. Dude, I copped, uh, Skyrim for the Switch because it was 50% off. Yeah. Because they were selling it for 60 bucks, and it's been out for like yeah. 50 years. Yeah, they run a racket on that. Yeah, and, and I was like... Skyrim and Nintendo just run rackets. They never lower the prices for games. Oh, for sure. Rackets. Well, but like, I, I want the portability of the Switch yeah. and Skyrim. That's the dream, but I wasn't going to pay full price for it. So but yeah. now I did. Yeah. So anyway, Assassin's Creed's rad. Um, by the time we record the next podcast, I will have more thoughts on it because I've had a week to play it. Um, but like, it's really cool. It's really neat. Um, and ancient Greece is a rad setting. It's like reminding me, like, man, like I love like ancient like mythological stories so much. Like I've like super well versed in that one. It's like, man, this is rad. I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to like live in a world again like that. Like I haven't. It's been a long. Maybe like read it, but like I have such a bitter taste in my mouth from Red Dead Redemption Two. It's like been a long time since I've been in a world like that. Um, so I'm very excited and like it's just maybe like man I've always wanted to go but like I really want to go to Greece like it's just like a red it's like a cool yeah, place yeah um, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey is red it's neat um, I think it's everything so we're going to end this episode I think well, do you have anything else your final thoughts is something I missed no I just want to talk really quick about yeah, let's talk, man. Scarlet um, 
I was talking to somebody else today, and the the big announcement for Xbox was oh yeah, yeah we didn't Scarlet, talk about it. yeah um, that they're moving away from discs. It's just gonna be all downloads. Mm-hmm. Which I was talking to a friend today, and like that's cool. I get it, and like honestly, that's the majority of the games that I play is just through downloads. Yeah. Um, however, that's that's weird. That's weird as far as is it um, Andrea? It is. Okay. It's my wife. Hello, wife. It's his wife. Hello. It's okay. Hi. It's weird as far as like space and like, um, you know, having to always have an external drive and like which save is my yeah external drive. Like like I mean I understand that like storage is gonna grow and like we're gonna have like fifty terabyte hard drives mm-hmm. so if we don't already. Um, oh, probably we have like five hundred gigabyte or five, I don't know five hundred gigabyte not terabyte. Right, right. That'd be rad, though. Yeah, five hundred terabyte hard drive. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be insane. Yeah. As games get bigger and the fidelity gets higher, and we move away from cards, or you know, it all goes digital. Yeah. That's my only concern, and it's a small concern. I'm sure we're gonna like figure that out. That means, yeah, the, the one increases. that I always think about that people always talk about is that like America's example too, where it's like the infrastructure isn't there yet, right? For like digital only streaming, like you just right. we, like if you live in like a large part of the country. Like even like parts of Texas, like it just like it isn't there. Like it just isn't there. Like to like right. the ability to like stream games. Like even in takes Austin, so much of, like yeah, like bandwidth. Right? Like, yeah, like it's like it just only in some places. Right. Yeah. And so it's a, but like definitely like Montana, Idaho, parts like a lot of Missouri, a lot of the Midwest, um, the yeah, middle part of the country, like the mountain parts of the country. It's like it just and like even like even parts of Texas, even parts of like the even parts of the states people don't talk about where it's like how about a lot of like Western New York like isn't there yet, right? And it's like a lot right. of like Texas isn't there yet, and like a lot of the South definitely isn't there yet. And it's like but then we go to like. Also, the rest of the world exists outside of, like, Europe and Japan, where, like, they have this, like, built into, like, everything. Like, they all have, like, a bazillion K things because they can do it because they've been doing this for, like, years. But it's, like, Australia doesn't. Oh, my God. And, like, Africa absolutely doesn't. And, like, South America kind of does. And, like, Asia kind of does. And so it's, like, they're just not ready yet for those. Like, they're going to do it no matter what. We're going, like, we are barreling towards this future. But it's, like... Places yeah. aren't ready. When's it going to happen? And like that's that's kind of the dance move of like of Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony's like to pull the trigger, not to pull the trigger, because it's like when you do it, people won't have it, which means they can't play your thing. Which means it's they like, can't buy. Yeah, and so it's like it's always a thing of like it's like a war of like who will blink first and whoever blinks first, the other guy can just say well, you can play ours on anything. You can play ours anywhere in the world. You don't right. have to have. You can just buy the disc and you're good to go, right? It's like that's the thing. It's like whoever does it first, the other guy can just be like, we're not doing this for this generation. And we have entire markets that the other team literally can't can't compete in because you can't play their box if you don't have right. this kind of streaming. So it's like it's like the business like economics of it is like super 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 interesting, and they're like really cool like articles and features about like the like internal like border mechanics of like do we do it or not do we do it or like who we like who like what markets are we shutting off kind of thing. And it's like actually really interesting like the like that's when where it's like I would love to be a fly on like those boardroom walls where, right. like when they talk about like do the we just do we just say yeah like the risk reward of like do we just say go to hell I guess. Yeah. Yeah it's interesting. All right. Ready to wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. This has been Adventures Through Time and Space. I'm one of your hosts Logan Wilkinson. I'm uh, your other host, Renee Castro. Where can they find you on the internet, Renee? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. They can yell at me mm-hmm. if they do the little at symbol, and then they type little in Renee, little and little then they type in 4591. 4591. They'll find me there, and they can yeah. yell at me there. Yeah. To give all, give Renee all of your good uh, Animal Crossing thoughts. Yes, We'd love to hear them. Yes, please do. Talk to them about your favorite uh, Pokemon. What are you going to name your village? Why How do you feel about Dexit? Your favorite Pokemon is Squirtle and Charizard <laughs> and Mr. Mime. 
Um, please do that for a name. Where they can they find you, Logan? You can find me at Lefty Logie on, you know, the Twitters and the, the Instagrams and the, the Google picture plasmid screens and the... <laughs> the Me Plaza. The Me Plaza. Please, please find me on We, uh, Lefty Logie. <laughs> some some my, my me's been missing people, you know, people aren't active there anymore. Uh, give them some love. Um, you can find me all those places. Also, obviously, at Arash Fashions, um, where we have all those reviews and features and Video Game Book Club. Hear my suffering of Sonic whenever we start recording that series. Um, hopefully, it's not the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, Probably will be. But also, input of a new show, which I host along with George and Jarrett. Um, this past week, what did we talk about? It went live literally a day ago. Um, we recorded two days ago. We talked about something. Oh, the, oh, this is actually a cool one. Um, we talked about the rise and fall of GameStop. Oh. And it was really cool. We talk, in particular, we used one um, video from that company man had a video feed, like essay about it and we talked about that video essay and then like the kind of larger topic of like GameStop and like what happened to what went wrong and could it be saved still um, and it was actually really cool yeah it was actually a really cool discussion and because I've been a guy who said for years that like GameStop still has some hope in it they still save that thing still has some chops they still have a little bit of time before they like kind of vert the iceberg um, so check all of that out um, and then send me pics of Domino's Pizza. I will make that me very happy. Hell yeah. Um, Temptation Island spoilers will not be allowed, but thoughts and, you know, previews. But you've, se- you've finished the season. It's season over for like two months, but like I just yeah. don't, you know, I mean, like, just, I'm, you know, I don't know when this is going to come out. Maybe let people oh, you know, listen okay, to this episode okay. like a few years from now. Be like, That's episode, true. I heard this like new show that was on like the front page of New York Times, real cool. I want to dive back into its back catalog here, Adventures <laughs> in Time and Space. <laughs> Episode one, it's like, oh man, like I'm gonna tweet at Logan right now about Temptation Island, Island season, season five. Yeah, season five. <laughs> season. It's like, nah, I don't want them. I don't want the mad spoilers, guys. Don't so give it to me. That's true. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. Um, and then, on the internet at large, we mean Renee exists. You know what I mean? Find us, say hi, tweet us nice things. Wee. If you have bad things to tweet, tweet at Dream Donald me. Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. If, yeah, if you yeah. don't like, if you don't like Adventure Time and Space, please tweet at Donald Trump, and he'll be sure to rectify that problem as soon as possible. That's true. Give him all of your hate mail too. Um, he appreciates it. Yeah. And until next time, Thanks. I don't know. We don't have a sign off yet. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a. Thank yeah. you for listening. Though. Yeah, thank you for listening. I'll figure it out. Maybe we get to record the opening.